This is the City of Refuge, Thomaston, Georgia, Sunday morning podcast. The following is a live recorded sermon by Pastor Jeff Deal. So I'm just going to share with you a few minutes. Um, I'm glad we opened up with the affirmation time because it sets the stage as we continue to talk about being generous, which we've been talking about since first of the year and not quite finished with it. I don't know if we'll finish today or not, no promises. Uh, Sully will be ministering the word next week, so I don't know what he's gonna talk about, but um, we're gonna talk about being generous here again this morning. And I I said last week that I had a dump truck load of scripture for you to wrap things up kind of, but there's just so much, I'm telling you, there's just so much. You get into the word on this subject and it's never ending. So rather than just giving you 25 scriptures to support it, because you already know they're there, right? You know the scriptures are there. I'm not up here just throwing stuff at you that, that can't be supported. The scriptures are there But rather than just firing them at you like rapid fire, you know, I think that we'll focus again on two or three that um, have some substance around them that I think is appropriate for us right now. So last week, we talked about Elisha and a story that never had hit me as a story of generosity until I'd studied it the week before. And all of a sudden, it was just all about generosity. And it was about the full circle of generosity. So just to recap that for a minute, Elisha is a prophet of God, and he travels around uh, preaching, giving away the words of God. And he passes through a town called Shunem pretty frequently. And one day, uh, a a woman who lived there decided that she was going to start preparing a meal for him when he was passing through town. So... What we realized when we were talking about that last week was that it just started with a decision. It's a, if you, if you are not just sort of taken over forcibly by the Holy Spirit and forced to do something nice, something kind, something generous, which rarely happens, but if it doesn't happen that way, don't you think it's a good idea sometimes just to make a decision? Just start right there. Okay, we, we are aware that the scripture commands that we be benevolent, right? It's not an option for true kingdom sons and daughters. It's a command. It's a requirement that we be generous toward other people. Okay, so why not just make a decision? Hey, this week I'm going to do this. It's outside of anything I've ever done. It's going to be an extra thing for me. It might be toward one individual. It might be toward a family. It might be toward a group of people. But I'm just going to make a decision and do something. I'm going to do something extra. It might be like, y'all know, I love to use the example of tipping. It could be as simple as that. That you just drop a bit, way bigger tip than you usually do for somebody. It could be anything. Some of y'all know Jerry Zolman. Uh, I run into Jerry here and there, here in town, and he bought a a vehicle from me uh, yesterday. And and he told me that he and his family, it's not their church, it's not any big group, they got some friends with them, but mainly it started with him and his family, are 
feeding homeless people in the parking lot of the Colonial Motel up here every other Tuesday evening. They just made a decision. I don't know if any of y'all are on the Pike, I mean the uh, Upson uh, community discussion page on Facebook. If you're not, it is tremendous entertainment. I mean, you need to get on it. <clears throat> but people love to carry on about the homeless, right? And, and about how churches are not doing enough for the homeless. And I'm like, why don't you shut up talking about me and start doing something yourself, right? Because I don't have any more of an obligation to do something for the homeless than you do. But Jerry and his family just decided, hey, rather than get on Facebook and waste a lot of time talking about it, why don't we just go set up up there, pull some food together, and feed the people every other Tuesday night. Let's just make a decision. Let's just do that. Give you that as an example, and I give you that also as an opportunity that if you want to just show up there, they'll be there this Tuesday night, and just jump in and ask them what you can do to help. Maybe bring a dessert, maybe bring something, whatever, some snack bag or whatever you can pass out to the people and jump in and help them. I, I bet you that would really, really bless them. I, ble I bet they would love it. They would love to see more people get involved with that. It, I think it is around behind because they try to stay out of sight because you know what happens when they get up there and start feeding the homeless? The deputy sheriffs roll up and say, hey, I'm not sure this is a good idea. We really don't want to be gathering up all these homeless people. And th they've actually encountered this from city officials, from county officials, saying, we don't really want you doing this. Right? And Jerry said, ironically, they say to him periodically, uh, you know, there's a guy down there in that church besides Zaxby's that are bringing all these homeless people in here. And we're trying to shut that down. That's me, me they're talking about, by the way, who has never, ever, not once, for any reason, ever transported a homeless person to Thomaston or Epson County from anywhere for any reason and, and just turned them out on the street. <laughs> okay. Anyway, make a decision. That's what the lady did. But you know what? Generosity leads to generosity. If you exercise one act of generosity, it's going to give you a hunger to be generous again. It's an automatic. It's a guarantee. So she goes to her husband. She says, you know, we're fixing this guy a meal here and there, but he's, he's traveling through, and I'm sure he's getting weary. Why don't we build a room onto the house? So that when he's coming through, he's tired, he needs a place to stay. We'll put a bed in there, we'll put a desk, desk and a chair, and we'll just make a comfortable little spot for him to stay. Generosity leads to generosity. And so this impresses and blesses Elisha to the point that he turns around and reciprocates the generosity, which is also what always automatically happens. When you exercise generosity toward people or in front of people, it will inspire them to be generous or it will convict them that they're not generous and out of guilt they might turn around and make a decision to be generous, which is cool too. However you need to get there. So Elisha says, what can we do for her? Calls his servant in. What, what are her needs? What, what's her family need? He says, well, you know, I know this is a little bitty thing, but she's an old lady and she don't have a child. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Let, let, let's ask God if he will give her a son. Let's do that. So that those little decisions for generosity that they made 
lead to reciprocity, which turns out to be an enormous blessing to her and her husband and their family, and that is the gift of a son in their old age. That's the way generosity works. But then, as life will do to you sometimes, it'll turn around and you'll have a problem even from th something that has come to you through an act of generosity, you may suffer some loss. Anybody here ever suffered any loss? Yeah, we suffer loss. We, we run into problems. We have issues that come along. So this child that she's been blessed with at five years old gets sick one day and crawls up in her lap and dies. What? It's a gift from God. Five years old. And now he's going to be taken away from me. So she puts him in the room, stretches him out, gets on a donkey, heads out to find the prophet, goes to him and says, why is this happening? You prayed God gave me a blessing, gave me a son. Now my son is dead. I don't understand. Please help me here. And the prophet sends his servant, says, go to the boy and lay my staff, my object my symbol of authority, of power across the boy until I get there. We're establishing that God is bigger than this, right? And then he gets there, goes in the room, lays down on top of the boy, feels him get warm, gets up, walks around, lays down on top of him again. The boy sneezes seven times and comes back to life. You, you can't put a measuring stick on the impact of your generosity. Because even when it seems like that a situation or an opportunity is dead or a relationship is dead, your decision to exercise generosity in the situation can bring things back to life that you thought were completely gone, could never be resurrected. I could tell you stories all day long about people who thought that this thing, this important thing in their life was dead, was gone, was over, was broken to the point it could never be repaired. But they just started making decisions that they were going to give, they were going to love, they were going to be generous in forgiveness. If there's anything ever that we should be generous with, it's our forgiveness. And then God restored, healed, brought it back to life made it more powerful and effective than it was before the brokenness. So, we know that we have to be generous as children of God. Why? Two reasons. This is a review as well if you've been here. Number one, because our Father who created us in His image is the most generous person, being, entity that has ever existed in the history of the universes and he created us and he put his spirit in us and his spirit is a benevolent spirit his spirit is a forgiving spirit his spirit is a generous spirit and if his spirit is in us and has actually replaced the old man that used to be there is it not an automatic that our spirit is going to be a generous spirit as well so let me say it again. If you are a stingy person, if you are not a generous person, there is something seriously wrong in your relationship with Christ. No doubt about it. 
There's something wrong. Secondly, so first, it's because he's a generous father. And secondly, it's simply this. And everybody in this room can't understand this. Because he told us to. You see, generosity is nothing more, nothing less than an act of obedience. Act of obedience. <clears throat> we don't give because we want somebody to give to us. We don't bless others with an expectation that a bigger blessing is going to come back our way. I know I, we're going to get back to the scripture about sowing seed. Whatever a man sows, that will he also, also reap. We're going to get back to that in a minute, right? But we don't sow the seed simply because we believe that we're going to reap something bigger and better. That's not why. We sow the seed, we give, we're benevolent, we're generous because God said be benevolent and generous. That's it. End of the story. Whatever result he has is in his hands. Whatever blessing he wants to bring to us is in his hands. Nine times out of ten, if we give with an expectancy that there's going to be a blessing that looks this way and sounds this way and we put a measuring stick and a definition to it, even if that blessing comes, we're going to be cheated out of the real blessing that was supposed to come. You know, I, don't, I, I just don't want the blessing that I have in mind for myself. I want the blessing that he has in mind for me. Because his blessing is going to be so much better, so much appro more appropriate for me in my life situation. And his blessing is always an eternal blessing. I can't do that for myself. And whatever blessing I ask for, there's a good chance that it's not going to be eternal. It's going to be temporary. So, he's a benevolent father, he's a generous father, and he's told us to. Now, but we do have to talk about the blessing. Because it is also a guarantee that if you bless, you will be blessed. I have to keep going, and remind, I'll have to remind you every time I say this, that we don't do it to be blessed, but it's inevitable that we will be blessed. Now let's lay aside all the ridiculous lies that we've ever been told by preachers. That if you send me $100, God will give you 1000 by the end of the month. Like John Maxwell said, when I get those letters or whatever, I just flip it and say, well, I'd rather you be blessed than me. You know, I'm going to send you $100 so that I'll get 1000 back. <laughs> Right? It's just a ridiculous concept, this prosperity gospel. Now, I believe in a prosperity gospel, but I don't believe in the prosperity gospel that you hear from a lot of people and a lot of ministries where they say, you know, if you read Isaiah 16, 19, and you believe that and you send me $160.19, uh, by this time next month, you're going to have $1,600.19 in your bank account. No, that's not the way it works. That's deception. That's, those are false prophets. But the blessings will come. The really, really cool thing about these blessings is we don't know what they're going to be, but we do know they're going to be the best possible thing for us. We do know that God knows better about what we need than we do, right? I hope you know that. 
I hope you know that. That He knows so much more about what you need than you do because you don't know what's going to happen to you tomorrow or next week or next month or next year. But He does. And He knows what impact the blessing He has in mind can have on you because of all of that. So, the blessings are going to come, but there are always qualifiers. Always prerequisites. This is one of the areas in the Scripture, I have no idea how a lot of the church world got so far off base on this, because it's everywhere. You can't go anywhere in the Bible and not run upon it. It's everywhere. That there's never a time where you will find that the children of God can just go to God in prayer with petitions and ask Him to bless them, ask, them, ask Him to meet a need, ask Him to answer a prayer, unless they are living their lives day by day as obedient sons and daughters. Everywhere. Check it out for yourself. Don't, don't just trust me on it. Check it out. Go to the Scripture, look up blessings, and see if I'm not telling you the truth. That in every situation that the subject of blessing is discussed, the people are told, here is what puts you in position to receive my blessings. This is what you must do. This is the level to which I require obedience from you. Don't come to me asking me about anything or for anything if you are not living at the level of obedience that I'm requiring of you. That's Old Testament, New Testament. That's everything from Genesis to Revelation. There's only one free gift that's offered to mankind, and that is salvation. Every other gift, every other blessing comes with requirements. I'm just going to give you two or three, but I challenge you to go look, on, go look for yourself. Set aside plenty of time, by the way, because there's a lot. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 1 through 6. So we're way back. We're way back in the Old Testament. We're way back in the days of Moses. This is Moses actually talking to people and, and the voice of God being spoken through Moses to the children of Israel, God's chosen people. And this is right before Moses is going to die. So they are at the precipice of entering the promised land. Moses does not get to go in, but he is given a long sermon by God to give away to the people before they are led in to the promised land by Joshua, who is Moses' successor. And here's what he says. If you fully obey the Lord, your God, and carefully follow all His commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. You know what part of that we love? We've always loved it. The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. That's the one we love to focus on. That's the, what we love to, to, uh, to zone in and say, yeah, 
The Lord is going to set us above all the nations on earth. I name it. I claim it. I'm going to frame it. It's mine. And we ignore, we don't want to pay attention to the opening which says, if you fully obey and if you follow all his commands. We could get to, and we always do, and we will more, what the commands are. What is it that Jesus told us we should do? If you don't know where to start, just start with the basic, simple stuff he told all of us to do. Then he says, all these blessings, we love that part, will come on you and will accompany you. We love that part. But there's another big two-letter word there again. If you obey the Lord your God. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. Hallelujah. That's where I want to be blessed everywhere. I I work in the city. I live in the country. I love both of those aspects. You know, I can't live in the city, but I work in the city. I enjoy working in the city, but I got to go home to the country. When I'm in the city working, I want to be blessed by the Lord. When I'm in the country at home, also working, by the way, but a different kind of work, I want to be blessed when I'm in the country, right? You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed and the crops of your land and the young of your livestock and the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks. And I feel like this is just preaching right at me right now because these people over here keep giving me more livestock. And... uh, And it's more work, and I really want to be blessed in all of that, right? And and I believe I'm going to be blessed in all of it some way, somehow, and work my way through all the smells and all the stuff and all of them. And and there's blessing in it. Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed, and you will be blessed when you come in, and you'll be blessed when you go. (laughs) Don't you love this? Isn't this really invigorating, just encouraging all these promises of blessings when you come in, when you go out? And look, all the blessings are real. They are the promises of God. We can depend on them if we always have to go back to the qualifiers. You have to go back to the if. It's an if-then proposition. If you hear my words and do what I say. That's what Jesus said in one of the most powerful lessons that's ever been taught in the history of humanity. Right, that I didn't get until I was about 45 years old, and all of a sudden it hit me between the eyes because every time I had heard or read or, or in any way related to the story about the wise and foolish builders, it was always about being a Christian or not being a Christian. It has nothing to do with that. I had always missed the opening phrase, and there's usually power in the opening phrase because it's likely that the opening phrase may be a qualifier. But we like to get to the juicy stuff, the blessing. What's coming my way? What's going to end up happening for me? How good is this going to end up being in my life? But when Jesus taught that lesson, he said, he opened it by saying, whoever hears what I say and does it is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. What is that? That's a blessing. That house on the rock business is a tremendous blessing. What does that mean? It means stability in your life. It means a firm foundation. It means that no matter what storms and whatever problems come your way in life, you might get rocked by it, but it's not going to knock your house down. Your spiritual house will continue to stand 
If you have paid attention to the qualifier and you have opened your ears to hear what he's saying and you have responded in strict obedience to what you've heard. But whoever either refuses to hear or hears and chooses not to obey is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. You can go to Mexico Beach, Florida right now and see uh, the town post-Hurricane Michael. I saw it before and I've seen it afterwards. And something like two-thirds of the homes in Mexico Beach were destroyed or severely damaged. And here and there, you see a beautiful house that looks like the wind never even touched it. Still standing there in great shape. None of the roof came off. None, none, none of the structure was damaged. Still standing there. You know why? Well, I mean, it could be that there's good kingdom-minded people that live there that live in obedience to God, and he protected them, sure. But there also could be another reason. It could be the way the house is built, right? But listen, you could build that same beautiful house on a big pile of sand. And it would look just as good as the one that's built on those concrete pylons that go like 30 feet down in the ground. If you've ever seen them do that, they bring in these huge concrete pillars and you've got this big hammer, they call it, but that's, that's a funny term for it because it's a big thing on a crane that comes down and bam, just pounds those things down in the ground. And that's what the foundation of that house is attached to. Both houses would look great, would be just as beautiful until a storm comes. Then what happens? Post-storm, one of them's going to be a pile of rubble and the other one's still going to be standing. The difference is, what was the process you went through to build that house? Spiritually speaking, whoever pays attention to the words of God and does what he says is like a wise man building his house on a rock. And then the blessings come. Psalm 128. Listen, blessed. Oh man, that's just a great word. I love it. Blessed are all who fear the Lord and who do what? Walk in obedience to Him. Not, not, not blessed are all Christians. Not blessed are all church members. Not blessed are all tithe payers. Not blessed are all people who attend church on a fairly regular basis. But blessed are those who have a tremendous amount of respect for the Lord, a reverent awe for Him, and who walk in obedience to His words. Those are the people that are blessed. What's going to happen if you do? You will eat the fruit of your labor. I love that metaphor. Isn't that kind of like reaping what you sow? You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Yes, this will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you live to see your children's children. Peace be on Israel. And you know that we've been grafted in 
to be part of God's people. We didn't take the place of the nation of Israel. We didn't take the place of God's chosen people. But he gave us the opportunity to be adopted in and to become part of the family. What greater blessing could I want than to see my children's children have great productive lives, for them to be blessed, to, for them to be protected. Come to me and say, Jeff, I'll give you two choices. Whichever one you want, you can have. I'll write you a check for $100 million on the spot. Or I will guarantee you that your children's children and their children will know the Lord, will walk in His kingdom, will be filled with His Spirit, will live their lives with the attributes that He has placed in His children, of benevolence, of love, of forgiveness, generosity. Which one will you take? Which one do you want? No-brainer. I don't have to sit around and think about that. I don't have to spend any time pondering that. Is it more important to me that I have a life uh, of lavishness where I could have anything I want, never worry about money, never worry about anything, live in a huge house, drive fancy cars, and and travel and do whatever I want to do? Is that, would I ever, for one half of one second, consider that over my children and my children's children and their children and on for generations being blessed according to the Father's will and purpose out of their obedience? Be generous because God is generous. Be generous because God has said be generous. Be generous because we'll be blessed out of our generosity, but the blessing will come as defined by Him as exactly what we need. Be generous. Be generous because the Holy Spirit is in us. Because when we came to know Christ, old things passed away. The old spirit of stinginess, the old spirit of selfishness was laid down and crucified. And a new spirit came in. It's a spirit of generosity, a spirit of benevolence, a spirit of love, a spirit of forgiveness. But we all know what happens, right? You hear this today, you believe it, you embrace it, you repent for any way you've rebelled against it. And God makes an adjustment in you, but you know what's going to happen tomorrow, right? That old corpse is going to try to revitalize, going to try to get back up. It's going to try to come back in and inhabit your heart again. So it's not a one and done. It's an everyday evaluating the words of God and saying yes to whatever he's saying today. Just say yes. I heard a guy say we ought to be living on the other side of yes. Live on the other side of yes. Just say yes. Just be obedient. Whatever God's doing, say yes to it. Whatever he calls us to do, just say yes. Our houses will be built on rocks. We will be like trees planted by rivers of water, bringing forth fruit in the right season. And the leaves of our life's tree will prosper, will be big and beautiful. What are the leaves of your tree? your children, and your children's children, and your friends, extended family, people you come in contact with, your finances, your health, 
relationships, your freedom from anything that would bind. Those are the leaves of your life's tree. They will prosper. Everything you do, Psalm 1 says, will prosper. Be generous. Just go, to, just go to Matthew 5 and read the Beatitudes. What does Jesus want us to be generous in? He wants us to be generous in humility. Just be generous with our humility. Be generous with our meekness. Be generous with our mercy. This is a weakness for some of us, right? Because we love to call people into account Especially those of us who are parents, you know, and our children, they, they need to be checked up sometimes. I get that. But way too often, it's, it's easier for us to just continue to pass judgment and to drop the hammer than it is to extend a little mercy. And listen, you will never be effective in your uh, acts of mercy toward people outside of your family unless you are effective with your acts of mercy to people inside your family. There's some kids in the room that are going to use that against their parents this week. And then back to Galatians 6, what we opened up with. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good doing good. That's acts of generosity. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. It's a spiritual issue, y'all. It's a spiritual issue. It might just start with a practical decision, but deep down, it's, it's going to lead to deep spiritual things. It's going to reveal spiritual things about you. So, we're going to reap what we sow. It is a profound truth. If we sow mercy, what does he say the blessing of that is? Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Right? Blessed are the peacemakers. Those are the children of God, right? The, the, the people who, I mean, the Beatitudes is a perfect spot to go if you really want to see the back and forth between the qualifiers and the blessings. Because every phrase starts with blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. But then it ends up with you have to be a blessing before you will be blessed. Right? Blessed are those who are impoverished in spirit, those who don't think too highly of themselves, those who are not haughty, those who are not spiritually arrogant. And they are described all the way through as the children of God, as those who will inherit the kingdom of God, of those who will be given mercy, of those who will be blessed in the way that God intends for blessing to happen. Don't be deceived. So what, what do we do with all this? You know, I think that we make common practical decisions to bless other people. 
I think we repent of our sins of selfishness on a perpetual basis all the time. That's why Jesus said when you pray, and he, he laid it out there, that we should pray for forgiveness in every prayer that we pray, that we should ask for his kingdom to come, his will to be done, his daily bread to be established in the prayers that we pray, right? Because we need it perpetually. We need this cleansing to go on all the time. You know, the psalmist said uh, that he requested that God establish new mercies in him every morning. I need it every morning. That's why Paul talks about being saved. He's not talking about he got saved. He said, I'm being saved. Because there's stuff today I'm going to need to be saved from that wasn't there yesterday. And most of all, as you know, I need to be saved from myself. And so do you. Because the opposite of all of this is me. You understand? You know, we spend too much time worrying about the devil. I'm just not worried about the devil anymore. I don't care what the devil's doing. I spend zero time screaming at the devil. You know, I, I just don't I, don't, I don't have any conversations about what the devil's doing, about how he's working, about how he's, you know, I don't want to give him any attention. I know how he works. And I know that based on my knowledge of how he works, the person I need to be dealing with is me. Right? Now, he's an influencer. He's a deceiver. He's a liar. Right? But he, all he's trying to do is get to get me to work against God's plan for me. That's all he's ever done. It's all he's ever done. When he showed up in the garden, what did he do? He didn't say, will you bow down and worship me? Will you put me in God's spot? No, he said, believe in yourself. You can help God. You can help God do a better job. God's got a pretty good plan. You can revise that plan a little bit, add a little something to it, take a little something away from it, and it'll be a better plan. You're awesome. You're powerful. You're strong. You're smart. You can do this. You're resilient. You can solve your own problems. That's all he's ever tried to get people to do is to believe in themselves. And what's the first command? You shall have no other gods before me. What's the most likely God that we would raise up and place before him? Myself. Because he has a plan. I have a plan. My plan equates to the devil's plan. There's only two plans. My plan and the devil's plan is the same plan. So, we submit ourselves. We repent. Perpetually, we are prayerful that he would forgive us. That he would speak to us. And then we respond in obedience to his words. So the blessing, the blessing is for us, it's for our children, it's for our children's children. Okay? And that's, even if, even if you don't have children, even if you um, are still young and you haven't been married, you, you don't have children yet, whether you do or whether you don't. This is bigger than us writing specific definitions on all of this. This is about us living in a way, living in a pattern of obedience, that those who follow after us will learn how to live. They'll know how to live in right relationship with their Father. Lord, we thank you that your words are powerful, that they are transformational. We have submitted ourselves to them today. 
We've opened our hearts and minds and asked you to plant seed in us so that we would know the kind of seed we need to plant when we leave here. Because we know that whatever seed a man sows, he's going to reap a harvest based on that seed. So we make a decision today to choose to be generous, to choose to be benevolent, to choose to be forgiving. We make a decision to be generous in our humility, generous in our mercy, generous in our benevolence, generous in giving away peace, making peace in every environment we go into. We know that you are going to bless and reward, but we refuse to try to define what that's going to look like. We want what you want for us. We want to be like trees planted by rivers of water that bring forth the right fruit in the right season. And that's God work, and we thank you for it. I pray your blessings of peace over your people throughout this coming week, your blessings of power, that we could all be and do everything you created us to be and do, your blessings of provision that you would meet our needs and your blessings of protection from danger, harm, sickness, and from the schemes of the enemy who's always trying to distract and deceive and throw us off track. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen.